Hello, 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 everybody. Come on in. Hallelujah. Good evening. Good evening. I'm Cynthia Green, and today is another day that we get to live under the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to Thursday's evening message. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. I really am. I know I say it all the time, but I'm really excited about the word that God has given me to share with you all this evening. So we're going to go ahead and just start off uh, with a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you for yet another day of your grace and your mercy. Hallelujah, Lord God. We come tonight, Father, um, lifting up those in the south, uh, in the north, in the Midwest, um, Texas, all of those, Father God, that are suffering um, due to weather issues, uh, weather storms, the, the winter storms that are going on, Lord. Uh, we pray that uh, the power uh, is restored quickly, Father, in Jesus' name. And we pray for your divine protection over their lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We thank God for uh, the shelters and, and the different facilities that are being provided to help uh, those in need. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We pray, Lord God, for uh, these, our United States of America. We pray, Lord God, for the leaders of our country um, across federal, state, and city. We ask in Jesus' name that they uh, submit to your will, submit to your voice, Lord God, um, that they seek doing things in your way and seek your guidance in order to lead our country. For we know, Father God, that leaders who are submitted to you, Scripture says that the people will then rejoice in hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, for those that are joining us this evening. We pray in Jesus' name that you open up their ears, their hearts, and their minds to receive what thus says the Lord. And we ask, Lord God, as always, that you speak through my voice, through, through my vocal cords, speak, uh, uh, think through my mind, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, before we dive in, in regards to specifically what I'm going to be sharing with you on tonight, um, last week we talked about the fact that we as humans, that we are a spirit. That's who we really are. We are a spirit. We possess a soul, which is where our will our mind and our emotions lie and we live in a body and I wanted to just say this the Lord laid it on my heart we the world focuses so much on the body part in relations to uh, color in relations to racism and instead of focusing on spiritual matters um, and I'm, we're finding that even some Christians, 
I just want us to be careful not to put more focus on the body than the spiritual. Remember, the spirit, once you're born again, is perfect. And it's and what we do as we submit to God is we bring, um, God will then um, increase in spirit and bring that soul and our bodies under under alignment with our perfect spirit. And so in lieu of racism and bigotry, I just felt the unction to talk a little bit about that real quickly. It saddens me, especially, and I'm talking to Christians, I don't care whether uh, the color of your body is black, the color of your body is white, the color of your body is brown, doesn't matter. You're a Christian. It saddens me on how many Christians get so caught up in the color of the body, in the, in the color of the body matters. That's, that's the world's business. That's not our business. Discrimination with one another based on the color of a shell that is temporary. This body is temporary. It's just a covering. It's just a shell that covers who we really are, which is the spirit. It is going to die. It goes back to the ground, to the dirt from which it came. In fact, when one dies, some bodies are buried. Some are cream, actually burned, cremated. So the body is temporary. Division created based on the color of one's body. God is not a respecter of persons. God is a spirit. We that worship him or deal with God, we have to do it in spirit and truth. It's not, he's not caught up in the color of our bodies, in the color of this shell. Meaning that every man and woman that he created, regardless of the body that they have been placed in, Guess what? When you're a born again Christian, you're on equal footing with our Lord and Savior, with our God. He has an unconditional love for every person created, and he does not play favorite or show partiality to his children. While worldly thinking Christians like the world there are, there's appears to be Christians that think like the world um, in showing partiality based on the color of the body. Here's the thing. God will work with each person who will properly come to him with the same amount of intensity and to the same degree that he will work with anyone else. In other words, there will be equal treatment for everyone that submits to the will of God. That's the beauty. Our focus is on spiritual matters as Christians. Uh, just not getting caught up in this, in this racism and um, responding to racism in a physical matter, uh, but always our response to whatever it is that we're going through has to come from not from a flesh or worldly matter, but from a spiritual matter. This means that when you submit to the will of God, 
that we all have an equal chance to be able to enter into God's perfect plan and destiny for our lives. Meaning what God has put you on, 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 on this earth to do, regardless of what color the shell of your body is, when you submit to him, guess what? You will fulfill the purpose of God. After all, it is what he thinks about us that matters, amen, and no one else. So anyway, I just wanted to just kind of throw that out there today. Think spiritually, not as the world thinks. In the spiritual realm, all believers of Christ are one in the eyes of God. And it's only his eyes that matter. Jesus came to unite, not to promote or, or to perpetuate division that already exists in the world. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go into tonight's teaching. As Christians, our resource or blueprint on how to live this Christian life is the word of God. It's the Bible. We don't copy the world's view on how to live successful lives. Most of us just want to be happy. We want to experience um, joyfully peaceful lives. We want to be able to pay our bills, um, uh, you know, on time. Um, so uh, I think as humans, we all are interested in regards to our own environment, our families. I think there's a common denomination that, or a common uh, denomination is that we all just want to have happy, joyful, peaceful lives. Amen? So the word of God, in order to achieve that, especially with Christians, has to be our final authority on how to live a successfully peaceful, joyful, and happy life. When we make the word of God our final authority, his promises states that we will have peaceful, joyful lives. You often hear me speak on the necessity of submitting to the ways and the will of our Father. And the reason that you hear me say that so much is because guess what? That's what the Bible tells us. So tonight we're going to be talking, I, I thought when we talk about submission to God, I, as we know as Christians, our goal is to always strive so that our lives begin to mimic or look like Jesus. So Jesus Christ is our example. With everything that we are make the decision and the choices to do, it should look like Jesus. I remember there was a saying, um, what would Jesus do? Or how would Jesus react? Or what would Jesus say about that? Or what does the word of God say about that? Amen. That's the ultimate goal, or should be the ultimate goal of every Christian, is to always consider um, what would Jesus do? So, Let's, I'm going to, we're going to do a lot of scriptures tonight because I want to be able through scriptures to back up everything that I'm telling you this evening. 
So let's look at James, the fourth chapter, verse 7, and we're going to read 7a. And um, the first scripture we're going to be reading from the um, ESP version. And it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Okay, there it is. Word of God. He tells us to submit ourselves to God. Submit, um, meaning give up, submit, uh, decrease your way of doing things. Um, submit your will. Uh, submit your, um, your thought. Submit your mind. In every, of your, every, of your, every area of your life, submit yourselves to God. The NLT version of that verse says, so humble yourselves before God. So what it did is it replaced submit with humble. Why is that? Because in order to submit to God or to submit to anything, you have to be humble enough to recognize and not, let's put it this way. You have to consider that your way is not the best way. To think that your way of doing things or your way of thinking is better than someone else's, especially our Lord, um, signifies uh, pride. Amen? Um, it, it, it means that you think that you um, make better decisions regarding your life than the creator. And so what the scripture in James is saying is humble yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly. Don't think that you don't, don't have faith in yourself over, the, over faith in God. Don't think you know better than our heavenly father. Amen. Now, let's also look at Isaiah, the 55th chapter and the 8th verse. So here God is telling us uh, from the NLT version, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways, listen to what he says, my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. We and ourselves cannot even imagine the thoughts of our father. We can't, we're not even close to on his level. And when you recognize and understand that, it causes you to say, you know what? I don't know more than he does. I trust him so much that Lord, I know you know what's best. So guess what? What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? How should I respond to such negativity? Lord, how should I think regarding this? Lord, show me in your word what I do about this. That's submission. Those should always be, that should always be the response or the actions or the thoughts of a born again Christian. Um, let's see, let's look at something else. Uh, Philippians 4 and 9. You know, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he submitted to God constantly. And because he did, he is our greatest example 
and what we should do as followers of Christ is follow his lead. So let's look, we're going to look at Philippians 4, 9, and I'm going to read this from the NLT version. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Guess what he says will happen? Then the God of peace will be with you. So you want peace? You want joy? Then put into practice what Jesus does. Let him be your example. Let him uh, put him behind the wheel of your life and take control. That's what he's saying in the scriptures. All right. So before we dive in uh, with some of his examples, let's talk about that Jesus is qualified to be our example. How is he qualified? Well, number one, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. Now he's fully God, meaning that unlike us, he was not born with the sin nature of Adam. He was born with a perfect spirit. Woo. In Luke 1, to back that up, the angel of Gabriel told the Virgin Mary that the child you birth will be called Holy, Son of God. The Amplified Version translates holy as pure or sinless, has a sinless nature. So last week we talked about how we as humans uh, possess a human spirit with a nature to sin because of Adam, because we are descendants of Adam, but when we become born again, our human spirit becomes immediately perfect. Wow. How is that? Well, because Jesus Christ's spirit, who is perfect, enters our human spirit, taking away the sinful nature that we were born with. So Jesus was fully God because he was born with a perfect spirit, unlike us. Now, he was also fully man. Like us in his humanity, he took on the physical and the emotional traits such as hunger, thirst. He got tired. He experienced anger, frustration, compassion anguish, and love. He was born. He grew physically and with wisdom. He had flesh and bones. He was tempted. And guess what? His body died. In essence, Jesus while on earth represents, I want you to hear this, the born again Christian. Human but with a perfect spirit. Time and time again throughout scriptures, we can see how Jesus submitted his mind, his will, and his body to God, accomplishing the purpose for which he was born. Amen? He is qualified to be our example. All right, so diving into the meat 
of our message tonight. Um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, um, I shared with you to think of life as a series of tests. The different things that we go through in life, think of them as a series of tests. So let's look at, um, we're gonna talk about when the devil uh, tested uh, Jesus in the wilderness. And um, I think these, this is a good place to start on um, this message of him being our example in regards to submission um, to God and to submission to God's word, amen? So let's turn to Matthew's the fourth chapter and we're gonna start, uh, we're gonna read verses one through, one through two and reading this from the NLT version. And it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, let me say this before um, he was led up into led. He, the scripture talks about that. He was baptized by the, by John the Baptist. Remember when it talks about after he was baptized that the Holy spirit, you know, like the form of a dove rested on his head. Um, and so John knew that this was truly the savior of the world, the Messiah. So after his baptism, um, let's, uh, verse 1 and 2 in Matthew 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Verse 2 says, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. And then uh, Matthew uh, verse 3 through 4, and we're going to read this from the King James Version, says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, now this is the devil, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus responded and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the devil was taking advantage of the fact that Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was, he was physically hungry. So he, the devil uh, takes advantage of, of our weaknesses. And so what did Jesus do in response when the devil tried to tempt him to um, turn those rocks into bread? Jesus quoted Deuteronomy. He, he quoted the word of God. He threw the word of God back at him. He submitted to God's word. He's quoted Deuteronomy where Moses, who at the time was reminding the Israelites what God had done for them during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. So let's, let's look at um, that passage of scripture that Jesus quoted. Because remember, uh, when Jesus responded with man shall not live by bread alone, he had to be quoting something from the earlier passages, amen? Because Matthew, uh, the gospel by Matthew had not been written at the time of the temptation. So let's look at Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter and the third verse. This is what Jesus was quoting. And I'm reading this from the King James Version. It says, and he humbled thee. Now this is Moses talking to the children of Israel, reminding them 
of all that, uh, what God did for them. And if you get a chance, read that entire chapter because it's really beautiful. But the third verse says, and he humbled thee and he suffered thee to hunger and he fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Wow. So what's happening here is that Satan is attempting to get Jesus to disobey God. Now, here's the truth of the matter. God's word would literally not make up for being hungry. It doesn't replace physical food. Amen. When you're hungry, you need, you need physical food when you're physically hungry. But here's what the thing is. Instead, it's a question. This is a lesson on priority in these passages. Since God is the one who instructed Jesus to fast in the desert, then that word of instruction must be followed and it takes priority over anything else, including hunger. So what God says takes priority over everything. That's why what Jesus did is submitted to the word of God because God is the one who told him to fast. And so the devil comes along. He, what he's really trying to do here, he's not trying to get Jesus to create, uh, turn bread, turn those rocks into bread in order to, 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 to feed him necessarily. He didn't care nothing about that. He wants to take advantage of an opportunity to get Jesus to disobey what God told him to do. Wow. So like Jesus, when you are tempted to disobey God or disobey what uh, God tells you to do, counter that satanic suggestion. Because trust me, that, th that thought didn't come up in your mind to disobey God on its own. Satan's biggest strategy is uh, planting thoughts of suggestions in our minds so that it will turn us or put us in a position to either disobey the father, same way he did with, with, with Eve in the garden. So when you are tempted to do something that you know is against the word of God or against or not do something that God has told you to do, let Jesus be your example. Counter that suggestion, that satanic suggestion with the word of God. Put the word of God back on him. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at the second test. Now, Satan is also a manipulator. He will even use God's own words and distort the meaning in order to get you to doubt God. You remember in the Garden of Eden when the um, serpent was talking to Eve and he said, did God really say that if you eat from the tree, did he really say that? He took what God said and he distorted it. That's one of his biggest strategies as well, is to quote the word of God, but distort it. So master manipulator. So let's look at, we're still Matthews, the fourth chapter. And we're going to cover verse 5 through 7. We're going to be reading these from the King James Version. Test number two. 
Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him, meaning Jesus, on a pinnacle of the temple. Verse 6. He says unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Hmm. So what the devil is doing here is he's goading Jesus. He's mocking Jesus by quoting Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. He quotes those scriptures to Jesus. For he shall give his angels. Psalms 91, 11 through 12. We're going to look at that right now. King James Version. It says, starting at the 11th, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Wow. Quoting God's own word. So what was Jesus' response? Verse 7 of Matthew 4, Jesus says unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, telling, responding to Satan's offer with advising him what the word says. Go, he submits to the word of God. He tells him what God says not to do. Here again, he responds with another quote from Deuteronomy. Jesus is putting the word of God, uh, counter-offering the word of God, in response to Satan's offer. Another quote from De Deuteronomy. Now, this quote was when God was speaking to the Israelites as they were about to enter into the promised land after spending 40 years in the wilderness. So let's look at that passage. It's Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter in the 16th verse, uh, King James Version. It says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Now, this is what God said. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. So I was saying, well, what does that mean? What is, what is he talking about when he, when, as you tempted him in Massa, he was talking to the Israelites. So let's look at Exodus, the 17th chapter, verses two through seven. It's going to talk about what he describes as what, what the Israelites did um, defining what tempting God is. So we're going to start at the second verse. Now, it's, it says, So once more the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? So another word for tempting the Lord is test the Lord. Verse three, but tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Verse four, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Verse five, the Lord said to Moses, 
walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders, elders of Israel to join you. Six, I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? So in your spare time, you can also read Isaiah 7, 1 through 12, but the key verses are 10 and 12. I'm just giving you another example of that word, testing the Lord. So testing the Lord, is the Lord here with us or not? Arguing with Moses about water, um, thinking that the Lord had brought them out into the wilderness, um, not trusting in God what he had already done for them. Moses describes that as testing God, tempting God. Here's another example of, of that word test or tempt. It's Isaiah 7, uh, 1 through 12. The key verses that we're going to focus on tonight is 10, 10 through 12. But when you get a chance, read uh, the entire chapter of sep the entire seven chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 12. So 10 through 12, what's happening here is Ahaz, who was the king of Judah, he had heard about an attack or heard rumors about an attack that was being planned on his kingdom. So God had sent word to Ahaz by the prophet that letting Ahaz know that the, the attack was not going to happen. And he told Ahaz that he must have faith in God in order to stand. Okay, so the 10th through the 12th verse reads like this. Later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. He was saying, do you need a sign of confirmation? Do you need me to prove to you that um, you're not going to be attacked by your enemy? He says, make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. Verse 12, but the king refused. Listen to what he said. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Wow, meaning you don't need to prove yourself to me. That's what Ahab was saying. I take you at your word. If you say that I have nothing to worry about, I take you at your word, God. So to tempt God is to signify doubt in what God's word says. Um, expecting uh, proof whether God is as powerful or true or just and merciful as the word says, then that's tempting or testing God. So be careful to not worry and to complain or whine about your current situations. Instead, trust God in the promises of his word. 
So when you ponder thoughts of unbelief and doubt that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he's going to do, know that when those, those thoughts come into your mind, I, that's another strategy of the enemy to suggest unbelief. He's trying to get you to, um, to not believe. So when he uh, tested uh, uh, or, or tempted Jesus with that second test, you know, telling him, you know, uh, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, meaning jump off this mountain. Because the Bible says that the, your angels uh, will take charge and protect you so that you won't even bruise your, your, your foot. He was saying, prove to, your, prove to me, prove your, your um, divineness, prove who you are, jump off this mountain. So that's what the devil does even with you and I, is that he will try to create doubt and unbelief in us of what Jesus, of what God says in his word. And our response should follow as our king's example. And guess what? Respond with the word of God. Respond like Ahaz. No, I do believe. I believe in your word, Father God. I, when you say that, you know, by your stripes, I am healed. I believe you, God. I believe that if it's your will for me to be healed, I will be healed. If it's your will for that, it means that I need to separate from this body and it's time for me to come home guess what? I'm still in a good place because to be absent from the body is to be present with him. So you can't lose. You cannot lose when you trust God and take him at his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Third test. Matthew, still in the fourth chapter, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. So again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Now here, uh, Satan is pointing out uh, the world, uh, the earth's kingdoms, what the world has to offer in all its glory. Verse nine, he says unto them, unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. The NLT translation adds, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. You know, as we know, the, uh, right now, the devil is in control of the world. That's the world is his kingdom. Um, Satan tells Jesus, I am in control of the world and they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me and the world is yours. He says, all these things I will give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. What was Jesus' response? Verse 10. Then Jesus, then saith Jesus unto him, get thee Hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 
Jesus tells Satan to beat it. Get lost. Get thee behind me. Jesus responds to Satan's offer with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy, uh, the sixth chapter, the 13th, 13 through 14, this is where Moses is giving the children of Israel the laws of God. And it says here, thou shalt, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. This is the passage of scripture that Jesus quoted in response to Satan's offer to bow down and worship him, promising to give him the world. Now, this passage of scripture noted to me how unimportant this physical world is, even to Satan himself. He was willing to abandon it to Jesus in exchange for Jesus not threatening him in the spiritual realm. He, he, he was willing, he knew that if uh, Jesus had bowed down and worshiped him, that he would stop the plan of God in saving uh, those who accepted Jesus from the world. So he was willing to give up uh, or abandon the world in exchange for Jesus uh, uh, salvation, providing salvation to the world. Now, Jesus obviously agrees that the physical world is secondary, and Jesus is mainly interested in the spiritual world. Here, Satan shows himself as the adversary of God. He will often attempt to distract us or distract you with all the noise of the world, politics, love of money, worldly power, people pleasing. He wants you to bow down to these distractions. Keep them in the forefront of your mind in order to stop you from obeying what God has called you to do. Respond as our Savior did. I will worship the Lord my God, and Him only will I serve. Folks, Jesus Christ is our example. As Christians, we don't look to other people as an example of how we are to live our lives. That's why it's so important that we submit the mind our soul and our body bring it under subjection to the will of God and line it up with our new perfect spirits. Because otherwise what happens is when you don't do that, you have a perfect spirit, but your mind and your body is still behaving like it did before you got born again. Your, your soul and your body is still responding to Satan's temptations the way you did before you became born again. He keeps you stuck on worldly matters. 
And the Lord wants us to grow in the ways of God. And in order to grow in the ways of God, that means you have to grow spiritually because God is a spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. So I pray tonight uh, was a blessing. The word of God's uh, uh, message tonight was a blessing to you to understand that Jesus is qualified and is our perfect example of how we are to live this life in a world as born again Christians. Let's pray. Father God, we rejoice tonight. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We submit our will to your will. We submit our mind to you. We submit our bodies to you, Lord. We submit our way of thinking to you, Lord. We continuously renew our mind so that we look, sound, talk, speak, listen, hear, and do like our perfect example, your son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Now, if you're listening tonight and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and you're tired, sick and tired, or being sick and tired, you don't have peace in your life, you don't have joy, you're tired of struggling, maybe you've been looking um, to do things the world's way or other people's way or trying to please people, Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth and he is the light. So if you would like to invite him into your life tonight, repeat these words after me. Father God, I am a sinner with a nature to sin and disobey you. I invite you to come into my life, take control of my life, and live on the inside of me. I submit my whole self, spirit, soul, and body to you. And I believe and accept that now I am saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the family of God. You are born again. Your spirit, Jesus is now, his, his perfect spirit is now living on the inside of your spirit. And it's perfect. So in order to now submit that your mind and your body to the word of God, you must make sure that you're being fed spiritually so that you will understand the ways of God. So make sure that you connect uh, with a good church um, so that you will get the right uh, feeding. And <clears throat> I'm going to just recommend if you're here today on online and you don't have a local church or you don't know of a local church, you know, my, my church family is World Changes Church International. Um, so you can tune in to us. I, the one thing I can promise you is that you're going to be fed meat from that table and you will grow spiritually. 
Amen. You're always welcome to continue to come back uh, to the Good News by Cynthia Green's page as well. We welcome you. But the most important thing is that you are saved. And um, if you if you said that prayer with me tonight, I want you to um, press the um, send me an email. It's on our Facebook page. Um, it's um, Cynthia at the good news by Cynthia Green org. That's the email address. Send me an email and then I will send you some material that will help you get started in your new Christian journey. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we've come to another close for Thursday's evening message. Thank you so much um, for joining us this evening. I love you guys so much. We declare in Jesus' name that you will continue to be blessed, that you will that all is well with you and your household, and we'll see you back next time. Good night. <music>